Welcome to the ARPA Animal Shelter of the Week podcast, where we introduce you to incredible organizations around the country that are focused on helping animals. We're proud to be sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal shelter. A small group of local citizens started rescuing animals in Adams County, Wisconsin in the early 1970s. Housing the animals at the animal control officer's farm worked in the beginning, but as their operations grew, they realized they needed a permanent home. Through endless hours and fundraising, they were able to open their doors in 1988 to provide a safe place for the animals in Adams County and surrounding areas. They have certainly grown over the years, but one thing that has never changed is their commitment to the animals. They rely heavily on donations, adoptions, and fundraisers to continue saving animals today. Hey, Christina, welcome to the show today. Thank you. All right, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Adams County and how you guys got started? Um, we are a small uh, rural shelter. Uh, we're about 30 minutes north of Wisconsin Dells and 30 minutes south of Wisconsin Rapids. Um, a group of volunteers started the organization in the in the 70s and incorporated in 74. Um, they built, started the first edition, the first building part of our edition, our building on um, 1988. And it's been uh, added on and we added on in 2000 and again in 2008. We have about 20, 20 dog kennels and we hold about uh, about 40 cats at a time. There's so much more greater need for cat help in this area. And is that because you're in such a rural location that the need for cats is is that much more? Um, I think it's a problem all over, but in our particular area, um, there aren't they're not humane societies um, to the east and west of us. They do not those counties do not have humane societies um, or really much help with animals at all and um as well as our county does not have a cat contract so we kind of take in cats from all three counties um, as we have space why don't we tell the listening audience kind of about the programs that you guys have and what makes you a little different programs that we offer we do um, low-cost vaccine and microchip clinics for um, the community uh, in adams county as well as the surrounding counties um, we try to kind of reach as far as we can um, with those. We do those twice a year, every February and July. We also do low-cost spay and neuter clinics. We have for a few years now, once a month for cats. And we also offer microchipping year-round to the public. We also, another one that we really like is uh, we have a called Mama's Fund, where if somebody kind of finds themselves in a, in a, in a bind with an accidental um, pregnant dog uh, or litter that they can't handle anymore, or they've changed their minds, then we uh, have a special room for that for pregnant moms or nursing nursing mom dogs, puppies that are too young, um, that we will take them in and uh, fix the mom and do all her medical stuff and give the mom back in exchange for leaving the puppies with us. For Mama's Fund, is that for your local community or do you work with other rescues and shelters um, for that for that service as well? Um, we offer that. You know, it just goes by if our room is open um, and what we can do, but 
we offer that to the public um, in Adams County, surrounding counties, and we've also had um, shelters um, ask us for help help with theirs as well. Our shelter is a little bit different, I think, than most. It's a little bit quieter, um, rural, and the way we kind of do things um, is a little bit easier. And plus, we have the room that's away from all the animals, it has a separate heat, ventilation, air. Um, it's real quiet, about 12 by 12 room. They have plenty of room to kind of get around in. So we've, we've taken pregnant dogs in from um, shelters to the north, south of us. Um, we just took one in from Texas uh, two weeks ago that just had nine puppies. That's incredible. And, and a handful. Um, so right now you have the mama and her nine babies. Um, and how long do the puppies stay with the mom? Um, they'll be in there. Um, moms kind of tell us when they're done a lot of times. Um, I try to get them as close to six, seven weeks as possible, but sometimes you know, gets pretty close to six weeks and they're like, I'm done with, done with this nursing thing. (laughs) Um, so, um, like we have a, we, they start them out in a, in a kiddie pool and, um, it's pretty easy up until they start crawling out of the pool and then it becomes a lot rougher after that. (laughs) Um, but they'll stay in their room, um, until they are, um, about close to nine weeks, um, old. Okay. And then um, they usually leave straight from that room to their adoptive families. So we, we advertise them ahead of time. Every week we put a new new picture of them up on up for adoption each week so that potential families can keep those baby pictures each week as they grow. We often will make a, their own album on Facebook. So like right now, our dog that we have in there is named Jada. So we have like Jada's Journey on Facebook. We update the pictures of the puppies when they're born and as they're growing and the mom and how she's doing. Um, and then, so you'll find several mom albums in there, Facebook. Uh, and then once they start opening their eyes and, and running around, then we'll start doing the individual pictures on the website under adoptable animals. Okay. And people can't come in and see them because we got to be careful of germs, but we'll post the pictures and people will pre apply and get approved and then we'll they'll hold that puppy until it's ready to go home okay so now in this um in this mama's room that you have um are you do you have volunteers that care for those puppies i mean i know it's hard to do 24 hours a day do you have volunteers that take shifts or how do you guys care for them um a lot of it is me (laughs) i go in quite a bit um so like when like for instance this mom that we had she came off the truck um, we were told she probably had two or three weeks before she was going to have the puppies. Um, when I got out the truck, I was like, no, we're having those pretty soon. <laughs> I went in a couple of, every couple hours in the evening until I go to bed and then I'd be get up extra early and go in and check on her and just sit with her for an hour or two, you know, before staff got there. Okay. Um, some, sometimes we have some experienced volunteers that will help, um, but for like in this instance, Jada um, that we have is pretty uh, scared of strangers, kind of a stranger danger issue. Sure. So I can't have a lot of people going in there with her until we get her more emotionally fixed. Somebody wants to donate to that cause. Is there something specific on your website or are just general donations taken and applied to that? Um, yeah, they can donate through our PayPal button um, on our website, or they can donate um, via, you know, just mailing a check. 
Um, and then just put mama's fund on it. We have a specific fund just set up for taking care of um, moms that are in need. All right. And then one last question on that is, you know, when people from your community need help and they come to you for such a situation, is there a cost to them to drop the mom off and the, and the puppies? Or is that something that you guys do free of charge for your community members? Um, for the mama's fund situation, um, if they, whether the puppies are still in the mom's tummy or she's had them and they're eight weeks old and they don't know what to do and they're, they need help, they would be free. Um, they, all the puppies will need to stay with us. And then we will do, take them all in for free. We'll do all the mom's medical as soon as she's able. So if she's nursing, we'll wait till she's weaned. But we will um, spay her, microchip her, we'll have her dewormed. Um, we'll do all the vaccines and have all that stuff, heartworm preventative, all that stuff taken care of um, before we give the mom back to the family. Or if they don't want to, they are also welcome to surrender the mom as well for free. That's a pretty big undertaking you guys are taking for the entire county, um, and it sounds like surrounding counties as well. So that's that's an amazing program that you guys have. Thank you. I we I just kind of look at it as if I want to help them with those puppies so that we don't see those puppies in eight to eighteen months, yeah. you know, kind of bouncing around or, or whatnot. We want to be able to get them all fixed and and get them good homes. So, Christina, the other thing, too, is is you had mentioned the two clinics that you put on for the low-cost vaccination, uh, spay and neuter. Um, do you guys partner with a vet that you use for that? Or tell us a little bit more about the two clinics a year that you put on for that. Um, so we do, um, we put on the entire clinic, um, and then we hire a veterinarian at a discount. Um, Dr. Hines with Adam Marquette Vet gives us a discount. Um, and he comes in we do a, we advertise for a two hour clinic, but it usually runs two and a half or so. And we do anywhere from 250 to 350 vaccinations in that amount of time. Um, we've been doing them for, I want to say at least maybe eight years. Um, I do in, in February because, um, and then we usually have the county, somebody from the county there doing, um, licensing so that because licenses are due in Wisconsin by March 31st every year. So we do them in February so they can get those taken care of, kind of a one-stop shop. Uh, and then we, um, vaccines are $15. And then, uh, so are microchips. Okay. And then we do the, we register the microchips um, for the people. In the excitement of everything, people often forget to register. So I know the other thing that that I wanted to talk to you about is because of the location of your shelter, I know some of the, the challenges that you have um, are a little difficult, right? We kind of talked about the the lack of supplies and, and food and, and partnerships. Do you want to kind of talk about, about that a little bit and what, what challenges uh, you, you come across? Some of the biggest challenges that we kind of struggle with is we're in such a rural area that um, a rural and a poor area that, we, all of our, we're run completely on donations and fundraisers, adoptions. So everything from toilet paper to paper towels to dog food, cat food, cat litter, all have to come from donations. Um, being so rural and so far away from the big cities, we do not qualify for a lot of the programs that the bigger shelters get um, where they can get on a food program with a company because we're just far enough out that we don't kind of qualify for those. So 
we do struggle with that and also being in such a low population area we don't qualify for a lot of grants either we do struggle with that a bit you want to talk a little bit about how you guys use the amazon wish list and the the items that you guys look for i think um the internet is what has really helps us being so rural so we we do have an amazon wish list um and that's just a base to show people an idea of what we're, we need um, more right now or, or long term, um, but they don't necessarily have to come off of Amazon. It's just kind of an idea for them. Um, but people send us stuff from the Amazon wish list, which we post um, that along with any immediate needs every Wednesday on our Facebook page. We have some bigger items that is on a, on a wish list on our website, um, but we we do regularly post immediate items on our Amazon and our Facebook page. Christina, the other thing we kind of talked about are the community partnerships. So I know you guys are in a in a small area um, and there's not a lot of options or potential out there for you guys. Um, who who are the kind of small businesses and, and people in the community that you guys have partnered with in the past or are currently partnering with? And, and tell us a little bit about that. Um, we have a few um, supporting businesses in that will help us um, by collecting um, aluminum for us um, or helping sponsoring some of our um, fundraisers, uh, which is very helpful. Um, yeah, the Pingle, who makes motorcycle parts just down the road, are, is pretty supportive of us for sponsoring fundraisers. Um, and um, Pritzel's up in Rome, collect cans, and also do some sponsorships of some of our events. Um, we have the Adams Marquette Vet and uh, no Noble Hound um, Vet Clinics both help us with um, giving us discounted medical services, uh, which we wouldn't be able to survive without those for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's great, and I think it's key, right, for for organizations um, to really partner with some small businesses uh, in the area. And it sounds like uh, you guys have quite a few of them, um, you know, that you work with. But as you work through the year, I know fundraising is a is a big piece of that. And and so if there are any small businesses out there or individuals that are really looking to to invest in a cause. Um, you know, I think you're I think you guys have a great organization and, and I would encourage them to reach out to you. Uh, is there a, is there a way for them to reach you or what is the best way? Um, I'm pretty reachable. I'm pretty on, um, they can private message on Facebook, the Humane Society. They can email, uh, our initials, ACHS at Adams County Humane Society.org. Um, or they can call the shelter at uh, 608-339-6700. So I would, I would encourage anybody who's interested uh, just to reach out to Christina and or someone at the Humane Society and, and see how you can help. One of the other things that you had mentioned that, that you struggle with is the lack of volunteers. Tell us what kind of volunteers you're looking for. Yeah, we definitely, um, our county is a very, like a vacation Place. People will come in from bigger towns, bigger areas, so uh, in the summertime, and so they don't necessarily want to volunteer on their vacations. <laughs> but um, so a big thing that we need help with, anywhere from just cuddling animals. We have a dog. We have five acres, wooded acres, so people can walk. We have a trail through the woods to socialize and walk dogs. Um, 
uh, from to cleaning to help with fundraisers, even you know people helping us and be on the board. But one thing that we really could use help with is just coming in and getting dirty, <laughs> coming in and helping clean in and and uh, taking care of the animals and and just working with them as well. Yeah, I mean, who who doesn't like to cuddle with? puppies right i mean you'll have a you'll have a couple cuddly ones here in a few weeks right yes so. yeah we also have a kitty socialization a kitty clubhouse we call it and so there's six or seven cats always loose in there and that's a great great place to get lost in purrs yeah definitely um, cat socialization i know is a big one and, and it sounds like you guys have quite a few of them uh at any given point do you have any favorite stories or memorable stories that you want to share with us? Hmm. There are so many. (laughs) Um, One of, I guess, my favorite things to do and probably, I guess, one of my my best personal talents is to take broken, emotionally broken animals and kind of piecing them back together and making them see that either teaching them what love is or showing them that they can love again. And um, I guess two that kind of stick couple stick out to me is um, a few years back we had a a dog and I have these couple pictures on our website because um, they mean so much to me. But um, there's a, a Rottweiler mix. We got a call from uh, Rot Rescue, which was down in Madison, and at the time, and they took in some dogs um, from a big uh, seizure case in Texas. I guess there was 300 dogs removed from a um, rescue that was not taking care of them and um, they ended up with a few of them and they only do purebreds and they know that I'm a, a rot lover so she usually calls me when she gets a mix in and she had this one that was kind of a tough case and um, not thriving with them and uh, wanted to know if we, we could help him out and so she brought Tucker up because I of course said yes right away and uh, she brought Tucker up and he, so he'd been in a, um, you know, locked up in a crate for three years in Texas at a rescue and then shipped to Madison and was there for a few weeks and then came up to us. I never forget, you know, opening up the van door and he was a little bit nervous and apprehensive in the, in the crate and we took him out. I walked him across the yard and went into a outside play area and we unhooked him. And I figured he'd be all excited to run around and all he wanted me to do was hold him. Um, so he kind of curled up with me and, and kind of gave me a big old hug. And um, I think that's kind of the first hug or emotions he's had and had in quite a while. And uh, we helped him kind of helped him a little bit. And he actually wasn't with us too long before he found an amazing home. Um, that one that kind of stands out to me. Um it's just, it's amazing to watch them just blossom and be so happy. Um, I think he was probably around four or so okay. and spent most of his life in a cage. Yeah. So like, it's kind of just amazing. It's almost like he knew, I don't know if he knew he was safe or he just knew yeah. something and he just, all he wanted me to do was, you know, give him a hug and hold on to him. Yeah, those are those are very sweet stories. And, and I, you know, I do think that they know, right? And, you know, there are certain people that, that can just bring that out uh, in animals. And it sounds like you had that kind of relationship with Tucker. And that that's a beautiful thing. So I know you mentioned one more um, about Ike. You want to 
let us know about that one. Ike was a um, Peruvian Inked Orchid mix, um, which is a mostly hairless dog. Um, and he was an owner surrender, kind of a pretty bad situation and hadn't had much uh, love in his life. He was probably about a year old, um, and he was pretty angry, broken, when he came into us, um, and we weren't able to touch him. Uh, we actually had to have the owner take him back and put him in a kennel because uh, we weren't we weren't unable to handle him at all. Hmm. And um, in most shelters, bigger shelters, I should say, that um, there's a good chance that he, you know, would have been put down just due to the he was like a fearful aggressive. Okay. Um, and I um, used to work with trained horses, which I went to school for. And I kind of got into habit with horse training to work with the, you know, quote, aggressive horses, but they was just usually just fear-based. And if you can get through that, usually you can fix that and piece them back together and they won't be that way anymore. Sure. And uh, so it took, it took a while. Um, I wasn't sure. It took about a week. I just go in and I just touch him a little bit on the thigh and talk to him and then I'd leave him alone and... Um, and then one day he just kind of gave me a look that I knew there was hope. Um, so I was, I knew that we needed to continue to work with him. And uh, we actually had him for a few months. Um, it took about a week and then he and I were best friends. Um, and then it took a couple more weeks for me to I'd introduce one employee at a time and start working with him. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that breeds without the hair, um, there's a lot of care in the skin that you have to do daily okay um so his skin was not taken care of and it was cracking and bleeding and stuff so we had Mm. had a lot of medical we had to kind of do with him but um i thought for sure it was going to take us forever to find him a home because he was so a stranger danger but he got better and better um we just kept working with him and then um we made it a requirement whoever adopted him had to be a female and they had to come in several times to visit with him to make sure he could be comfortable. Sure. And so we had this young girl come in from about an hour away. And I, I had her sit in the office and I was like, you know, just be calm and quiet and we'll work with it as it goes. I brought him around the corner and he ran and jumped in her lap like he knew oh her my. whole life. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> so um, he just took to her and she's like, I thought you said he was shy. I'm like, well... <laughs> I guess he's not anymore. <laughs> um, so he, um, she did come a couple more times and he just was madly in love with her. Like it was her long lost best friend. And uh, he is no longer afraid of men. He goes on daily rides with her father to the coffee shop and um, has um, just an amazing life. So, I mean, see, the animals do just know, right? They, they have a sense for who their human is and, you know, when they find him, they just know. So that's an incredible story. It was pretty amazing because he knew all of us really well and was great with all of us, but he wasn't like, he wasn't sure about the strangers and her. He just took one look at her and he was like, where have you been? (laughs) I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) I think the one thing that helps kind of make us stand out a little bit more is we are kind of small and we might not have as much as some of the bigger shelters, but I think we're small enough that we know every animal that we have on a personal um, basis. So um, you kind of lose that when you get into a bigger shelter. 
So I think we're really pretty good about matching um, the right families and the right animals together. Again, awesome work that you guys are doing. I know before we run out of time, I do want to talk about some of the fundraising. Later spring and early summer, um, we'll be having our annual um, Park and Bark. So that's kind of a um, event we have in a local park here. People can bring their animals. It's an educational um, event fundraiser. Um, that's pretty big. And then um, we just started uh, kind of mashing two of my passions, animals and motorcycles together. Um, and I just started this last summer. I'm hoping to have an annual motorcycle um, run fundraiser for the shelter. So that's pretty, um, that'll probably be in June. As soon as we have dates and, and the kind of the basic rough draft of things, we will have them posted on our events page on our website, the AdamsCountyHumaneSociety.org. Okay. Um, and then we will also post them um, in our events page on our Facebook and then weekly um, on our Wednesdays. The next thing you want to get up and off the ground is a new transport vehicle. Yes, um, we have a uh, an old minivan that was donated um, about 10 years ago, and it is on its last, I don't know if the legs would be there, it's on its last <laughs> wheels. <laughs> um, it's kind of nickel and dime in us pretty bad, and I'd really like to get um, a uh like a shuttle bus and take all the seats out and have a, a good sized um transport vehicle um for a few reasons um one our veterinarian that we go to the most um she's 45 minutes away one way so um you know when you have to take 10 dogs that need health certificates or vaccines or surgery um we have to make multiple trips and it's um that does not it's not cheap on time or gas yeah. and then um the other reason is we take in a lot of animals from high kill or overcrowded shelters throughout the state um, and out of state and um, that often limits how many we can take because we can only fit four you know decent like lab sized dogs in a minivan yeah i think transportation is a is a huge piece of it right especially being kind of in the middle of wisconsin um well, Christina, I really can't thank you enough for spending the last 35 minutes with us. Thank you again for your participation. Thank you. Thanks for, for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to offer. And don't forget to sign up with dobert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.